You're listening to the Breakdown Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Dove, with my co-host and brother, Matt Dove, where we break down hunting topics, scenarios, and stories to better equip and inform ourselves and others about all things hunting. Hey guys, welcome to the Breakdown Hunting Podcast. My name's Coleman Dove. I'm your host, along with Matt Dove. Before we get started here, I do want to just introduce ourselves, let you know a little bit more about us and our involvement in our life and our story with, with hunting. So I guess to, to start off, I grew up hunting in the woods, just being outdoors. Ever really since I remember my dad has involved me and my brothers in the outdoors as much as possible. A lot of our time spent growing up was spent doing archery and bow hunting and, and that's what we really did we, we grew up going to the woods shooting our bows um, eventually even doing small archery competitions here and then here and there and then also like I, I also did a lot of fishing and just other out, outdoors activities in general but quite recently I'm actually getting back into the sport of hunting eventually went to college and sort of took a break hunting in general and the past two years or so I, I've really sort of gone back into archery, started back over, and really fall in love with it as, as, a, as a sport as a whole. All right. Well, uh, so my name is Matt Dove. I'm an avid hunter. Hunting is my passion. It's what I love to do, what I enjoy. Consider it's my number one hobby. Like, I live and breathe this stuff. Growing up, like our dad, always had us in the woods. Whether that's fishing, hunting, uh, hiking, he just poured into us in that way. And uh, we really got to experience a lot of that growing up, which was, which is great. And now we kind of carry that on into our young adult lives. I'm a senior in college. I've got one more semester left. I graduate here in December. And the past four years, I've just been uh, hunting and bow hunting. And mainly I've got a YouTube channel. I film my hunts. I also have an Instagram. If you ever want to follow that, it's Matt underscore Dove underscore media. And there's a link right there on my bio to the YouTube page as well. I just enjoy being outdoors and uh, that's what I do, man. I enjoy this stuff. I take photos, videos, and uh, live, and, live and breathe this. And I've always wanted to start a podcast and then Coleman kind of kick around the idea and i was like d let's just go for it man we uh we love to start a hunting podcast so we are here today and i'm excited man yeah me too all right guys so to start off with today's conversation we're going to be we're speaking about hunting on a, a budget um this is sort of a big deal for me and also matt we're, we're both college students at the moment about to, to graduate from college uh, for me personally i'm married um i have a foster child two dogs and I just bought a house. So to be honest, like I don't have a bunch of money to, to be spending, throwing out all these new products. And there, there's this big misconception in the, in the hunting world that hunting costs a lot or, or it costs too much. You have to go out and buy the newest and fastest bow. You have to go buy the newest and best camo, the best stands, the best everything in order to be a successful hunter. And, and the point of our podcast today is I really want to get into the meat of what hunting is and how to hunt on a budget. And so to start, I, I want to, to speak on our, our, our choice of weapon. 
So me and Matt, we, we both are avid bow hunters. It's what we grew up doing, but also there's a lot more to it than that when it comes to just budget hunting in general. For me personally, when I was looking on hunting, I, I was looking in general, uh, okay, what, what type of weapon can I get in order to start hunting? Rifles in general cost a lot. You have to go through a lot of things to, to get to them, to, to get a, a firearm some states you have to have certain licenses you have to have certain procedures they have to fall through even through a, a private cell to hunt it's for me personally that's just not the route that i wanted to go but as i was looking around for a, a weapon like i said i grew up bow hunting um, i came across many many bows on places like facebook marketplace let go craigslist all within a, a feasible price range like, for example, for me, I originally started, actually, with a crossbow. The only issue with the crossbow had a frayed string. So I started looking up how much it would cost to get this new string. I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be, like, close to 200 or 250 depending where I go to get a new, new spring. I could probably do a lot better with this. So I started looking around. I found a, a, a mid-2000s, around 2010-2009 compound bow. I hit up the person on Facebook, asked them if they wanted to trade, and they said, yeah, let's do it. I'm down. And so that's how that got done. And in reality, I've, I've, been, I've been shooting that bow for the past year and a half now, and I, I've been hitting perfect groups at, at 20, 25, 30 yards with zero issues at all. That's where we come to this, this big misconception here, that you have to have the newest stuff to be a successful hunter matt what, what do you think about this yeah i mean i mean i was fortunate enough to kind of get my bow for a really good deal uh, at the time it was listed retail i think 600 it's an assassin from Bowtag. i was able to find it for 300 which is super cheap and, and super cool and really saved a lot in that aspect i mean me personally i I might bring a gun in the woods like once every th three years. Like, so to me, like I'm pretty much strictly a bow hunter unless I'm like turkey hunting or anything like that. But you can actually, good places to find bows that are pretty cheap are places like Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, LetGo, uh, things like that. Every once in a while, I'll just kind of pop on there and just see what kind of bows people are, are selling, the prices and stuff like that. And you can actually get a pretty decent bow anywhere from $150 to $300. Something that won't necessarily like kill you or necessarily break your bank. But they're out there and every once in a while. Sometimes you just have to be patient and, and wait. One thing, kind of like a something I kind of figured out over the years is people post their hunting stuff oftentimes after the season or like in the springtime uh it's not as consistent right but there are things there's stuff that people will post that since it's kind of like the general public is not or the general hunters don't have hunting on their mind right you're able to kind of swoop in and and pick up a bow or uh, even a gun or something like that uh, for a very cheap price after the season is over so during the season everyone's kind of in that hunting mode hunting mindset people are, are willing to kind of um are going to up their prices on things whereas uh, non-hunting season you can get away with uh, some pretty cheap cheap prices so just so something long term to kind of think in mind maybe as you're heading into the season for the for the next year but yeah also you know so once you have your bow right you, you need 
arrows and then you need your some sort of broadhead. Um, in my experience, I used to kind of buy the the most expensive arrow out there, like a full metal jacket and whatnot. And then over time, I started kind of buying the the kind of intermediate level type of arrows. Right now, I'm shooting like a gold tip. I think it's like a Hunter XT, right? Something that's not like ridiculously cheap, but these arrows get the job done. They fly straight. In fact, yesterday, I was freaking uh, Robin Hooding my arrows. And so they, uh, um, they will fly straight. And like when you think about it, like sometimes we put so much thought and like got to get the best arrow. But two, three, four hundred years ago, we had Indians on the plains out here in America with uh, wooden carved arrows and they weren't the straightest things but they would fly straight and they would kill game like left and right so i think sometimes we can get caught up in that and kind of lost in oh i have to have like the very best arrow something i also realize is that a lot of people want to jump into the mechanical broadheads and if that's you if if you are a huge like rage or what's the other what swacker that those type of deal, like if you're huge in that, like that's your thing, that's fine. Like go for it. But from a budget standpoint, I've noticed that broadheads like a muzzy, a muzzy, or uh, like a, a mon, a G5 Montec, like a fixed solid blade broadhead, will last significantly longer than that of a Rage. So when you're thinking about, all right, from a budget standpoint, I want a a broadhead that's going to last for more than one, two, three, or, or four deer. Uh, I've seen it where <clears throat> guys will shoot a, a rage and literally like things like nearly destroyed. I mean, they have a massive hole in the deer, but the longevity of a mechanical broadhead is oftentimes short-lived. So from a budget standpoint, if you're going to be budget-minded, I would go with a fixed blade, like a G5 or some sort of muzzy. And I've killed several deer uh with those started out young using the muzzies and now my heart is set on the g5 montex those things are built uh to last and super durable um, yeah i i 100 agree and, and this is one thing i have to say about your your broadheads i know that this episode is talking about hunting on a budget and saving money and stuff like that but when it comes to overall just saving money keeping that in mind but when it comes to overall as hunters, when it comes to being ethical, when it comes to being the most efficient hunter we can be, broadheads are not the thing that we need to, to skip out on. There's so many like horror stories that people would use off-brand or just cheap broadheads in general. And for example, like mechanicals, people would just use off-brands because you can get like double the amount for half the price if you buy them from an off-brand Chinese company or, or they don't open up properly or they open up early and they only just maim the deer or horrible shot placement in general, which can lead to, to just unethical uh, killing of the deer and we need to be as efficient and ethical as we can as hunters and we need to keep that in mind as we're going through and picking out our equipment and that that's especially true um, for the broadheads and I, I do I, I completely agree with you Matt when it comes to mechanical versus fixed blade if you're going to, to start out you're trying to do this for budget wise and you're trying to be efficient the the fixed blade is, is the way to go it's, it's the most resistant it's the most durable when it hits bone limbs whatever it it's able to last multiple seasons you might have to sharpen the blades but at the end of the season when it comes to to 
the broadhead that you will have to replace, mechanicals down the road will be, have to be replaced way more often. Absolutely. So, you know, as we, so we look at like our weapon, we lo- we've looked at our arrows, we looked at, we've looked at our, our broadheads, right? So the next thing is like, all right, so we've got our weapon. How are we, how are we going to go about hunting? Uh, I think for you, Coleman, you're more in tune with ground blinds, whereas me, like I like to get up, I like to get elevated and uh, up in a tree. And my go-to type of stand is a lock-on stand. Like, that's what I enjoy. To me, I like slipping in, getting up in those things, like, nice and quiet, undetected. Great for filming, great for bows. You don't have any sort of, like, rifle rest or gun rest, like, in the way. Like, very open. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I, that's what I enjoy. And so, coming to college, all I had was my bow. Like, I didn't have any stands. I didn't have any land to hunt. Like I, it was just me and my boat. Like that's, that's where I started. And all my buds, all my friends in college, like they had it all. Like they had the stands, the properties, like all the gear and all that. And so I didn't have a lot of money and I had to kind of investigate what, what is the cheapest thing that I can potentially get. And what it came down to was I would go to places like Royal King, sometimes Walmart. I could get a 20 foot ladder stand not ladder stand what do you call those like climbing sticks that attach and a lock-on stand for about 40 bucks and so that's the route i would take and that's what i would that's what i would do and some people do the whole facebook marketplace with stands and and that's fine that's a very good option if you're going to look into that the only thing i would advise you on is make sure you when you're going to go buy these stands you fully look at the condition that these stands are in oftentimes guys will pull them down after five six years they've been up in a tree often collecting a lot of rust right there's just no telling so if you do get used stands please just make sure you check all the bolts the cables the wires the assembly just making sure it is well put together it's still holding up well and uh, because the last thing you want to do is get a stand and then ends up failing on you so just to be cautioned yeah, no, most definitely. Um, I, I even where I hunt on the property that I go out on, there's a stand that's been sitting there for years, and I've seen stands like that get basically taken down and then posted on Facebook Marketplace, let go, whatever, whatever the uh, selling site is, and they're selling for fifteen, twenty dollars, which could be a good opportunity for certain hunters. But some of these stands, like I said, and how Matt was talking about, have been sitting there for years, and rust builds up, and things get weak. And it's sometimes just not worth the risk when you can invest in cheaper options. For me personally, like Matt mentioned, I am more of a blind hunter. I like the experience being on, on the blind and looking at the deer eye to eye. But it's really unique. I grew up hunting from a, a stand, and it's just it's a bit different. I really appreciate the, the switch and change of pace. But blinds are also a very good option to go with when it comes to budget hunting. It, it's not really an issue when it comes to, to safety. You really just need something that's not torn, not ripped up. And you can find them, especially on market places like Facebook Marketplace and, and Let Go and Craigslist were fractions or fractions of the cost that they originally were. And they still work efficiently. Some are extremely light and you can take with you and be a more versatile hunter. Some are, are more durable and you can pop them up in places and leave them all season and take them down at the end and you still have a good blind. For me personally, like I said, like I'm, I just got back into to hunting the past two years and I was fortunately able to be patient, wait around on Facebook Marketplace and eventually a individual was selling 
two blinds for a hundred dollars and they're brand new they've or they've only been in the field once um and there's no holes ribs or anything and they're perfect for only a hundred dollars which originally if you bought these in the store they would probably be anywhere from 125 to 150 especially if you guys live in big cities or just really in, in areas where hunting is really popular if you're patient and you're watching especially in those off season when people are coming through and cleaning out their inventory those are the perfect times to look for those Absolutely. And hypothetically speaking, like, let's say you don't have the money to purchase a stand or even a blind. And there's times where growing up, I would literally make makeshift blinds. And um, I've had success with that. And I've had deer come in 20, 30 yards of me just taking 30 minutes to kind of put some stuff together on the ground, 20, 30 yards right off a deer trail. Guys like the hunting public, man, they're, they're running and gunning. They, they do that stuff like all the time. As you saw, Ted got a monster buck, uh, make yeah. a last minute <laughs> adjustment when he got down and just kind of like make just a little makeshift line, just kind of break him himself up. And the next thing you know, a, a monster buck steps out and, and you can, so you can kind of gauge this, gauge this with your budget and what you're capable and like willing to do as far as spending wise. And you don't necessarily need a stand or even a blind for that case, again, to kill a deer. There again, we look at the, the Native American Indians, right? They did the whole spot and stock thing. And uh, that's definitely huge out in the the west and they're having success with that to this day even still and so you know you you all this stuff is great all these things are great tools but you can really strip it down and kind of bring it back to the basics yeah 100 percent. yeah and, and that's that's really true like i remember even as a, as a kid there was one day it was like my, my second or third hunt it was a super windy day and i had a climbing stand i did not want to get up in the in the trees so i just sat my my stand next to a tree trunk and literally just sat behind a fallen over tree i had a a herd of does like walk right past me then 30 yards able to, to didn't take the shot but was able if i wanted to get a, a perfect broadside on them and i didn't have anything but literally just basic camo nothing not even a ghillie suit just basic camo and just sitting still and, and using the stuff around me and, and that's like really that's that's the base of hunting right there you don't have to have all these expensive uh, super high-tech equipment to get a deer you, you can it, it can be a lot simpler than that yeah absolutely and just to clarify we this is not to dog anyone that goes with the the most expensive stuff or the name brand or whatnot. Like if, if you can afford that and you want that, like great, like there's a lot of awesome stuff. Like I just picked up two lone wolves this past week. I, you know, I get involved with those. I enjoy that stuff, but you know, this is basically for the, the college guy or the young man just who doesn't have all the money in the world uh, to spend. And, and so uh, even camo, even apparel, right? You got the whole Sitka and the the first light lineup, and look, I love that stuff. Like Sitka is still way overpriced, but I've tried that on in Cabela's, man, and it is. They put a lot of time, attention, and detail into the gear that they make. I mean, it is top line gear. First light, not as expensive, right? But still, like it's still it's still pretty pricey. But there again, like just great quality gear and uh but there again right like if you don't have the money for that you don't necessarily need like you know top of the line gear 
Um, I feel like there's a huge push in the industry today. Like they're again, like putting out the message in order to be successful in the was like, you have to wear the Sitka or the first light or the expensive, expensive under armor gear. And, and simply yeah. that's not the case. Like the hunting public, man, they demonstrated that all last season. Like they were out there in, in flannel and Walmart camo and like all this stuff <laughs> and just slaying, like slaying monster bucks man like left and right and you know, i've learned over the years like in, in my mind growing up like camo was the key like camo was the answer to success and what when i started to learn more about thermals and wind direction access points and as you're going yeah. to the stand and leaving the stand like oh, like when it comes down to it i'd say honestly bro like camo's like probably 10 <laughs> percent of what really matters as far as being successful in the woods yeah for sure and for me as a, as a blind hunter i don't wear and i, I do i have um, a few sets of camo um a ghillie type suit thing that i've had forever and, and stuff that i will probably use over the next five five six years for me as a blind hunter i don't really use all that stuff anymore unless i'm in certain situations literally last week i went to goodwill i found a black compression shirt black thermal and a sort of breathable black long sleeve t-shirt and I, like that's all i really need in order to be concealed in, in a blind at least shirt wise then you can go to walmart pick up two dollar black cotton gloves and on amazon you can pick up really cheap uh, black face mask and a, and a black hat like that's really all you need to, to get started and, and to get concealed you don't have to go out and i know i've seen it like there's this specialized all blacked out scent lock suit that you can buy for blind hunting that's supposed to eliminate your smell and keep you really dark and hidden you don't need that there's other things you can do to, to handle a scent uh handle how you appear in the blind than having to spend like 60 bucks on a t-shirt there really is simpler ways to go about hunting. And like Matt said, like we're not knocking on those who want to buy uh, the newest, greatest stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. That, that stuff works. It's great stuff. Um, but for those who just don't have much money to spend, college, young young people, or just situations even like me who just have a tight budget in general, you can still hunt and be successful without breaking the bank. Absolutely. And and so kind of like the next thing we we want to talk about here is is you know we often have some sort of attractant out whether that's corn mineral sites salt blocks salt lakes like all the all the goods basically and um, that stuff can add up over time but there's just a few things that i've kind of learned like over the years this past few years here in college like things that you can do in order to kind of help with the cost, but kind of get the same effect in a way. So for for one thing, you know, you can get a, I guess like a small salt lick, salt block type deal, six, seven bucks at yeah. uh, Walmart, which is okay. And like, that's fine. But I've, what I did in the past few years is I'll go to Walmart and I'll just grab their like salt. That's like 89 cents somewhere in there. And I will find a spot and I will pour that out. And it literally does the same thing. A salt block and salt you buy in the grocery store tastes the same to deer. <laughs> and uh, so that, that saves a lot of money there. Also, um, I had a, I went, I was over in Ohio, my, I think my, my sophomore year and I had a buddy, I went out with him and 
he was carrying a pillowcase with corn like to the stand, like dumping it. Instead of carrying a whole 40 or 50 pound bag like out to the spot where you're hunting. And I've done that. I've, I've carried five, 600 yards through the woods, a big, just bulky, heavy, loud yeah, back corn. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's not fun. And so there's a few things that I learned from that is that there's times where I go out and I'll, I'll just dump a 40, 50 pound bag of corn and it's gone within two days. You know, deer, squirrels, birds, raccoons, just demolish it. And so what I started doing was instead of just dumping a whole bag, I, I went out and bought a pillowcase and I would get like a cup and do like t- about 10 scoops. And so a, a 40, 50 pound bag of corn that would be gone in, I'd say, two, three days. Some places one night, just according to how thick the deer population is, would I would make that last over a course of two weeks, two, three weeks, which is really really cool and it it saves a lot of money plus when you're taking that bag of corn to the stand in the morning like early in the morning or kind of late in the evening right before a hunt like when you have that pillowcase and you dump that corn and carrying that in there it is super super quiet like you can't even you could barely hear it other than pouring the the corn out on the ground like that's it and once you're done with that that the pillowcase just balls up and you can just store that away, put it in your backpack or wh- wherever. And it, it's it's dead silent and it's concealable and you're good to go with that. So that's just a few things over the past few years that I've kind of picked up on and learned as far as, you know, corn attractant and, and salt licks and stuff. So Coleman, what are your, what's your words of wisdom over there? <laughs> yeah, um, most definitely. I think that'd be a good method. Also, just keep in mind, like there, there might be situations where you don't even have to buy really anything. If, if you live in certain areas, certain woods with certain trees or a certain vegetation, you can like look around and see and track what the deer are eating on. If you're in an area where there's heavy acorn foliage, you can spend like an evening or afternoon in the surrounding area just picking up like buckets upon buckets of acorns and getting that ready. And then you could set it out uh, a few days before uh, your hunt and, and deer eat that up. I've literally heard stories of people who dump corn and, and like oh man there's gonna be the spot they're gonna come here eat i'm gonna get them and the deer don't touch the corn at all the reason for that is is because the deer already have a very sufficient food source in the area and one of the tricks of that is finding that food source and using it to your advantage I've heard some hunters use pods from trees or even just certain foliage of the deer are really snacking on, collecting that, dropping off a few days upwards to a week before the hunt, let the deer get used to it, and, and that will keep the deer coming to their spot, to their area enough. Oh, for sure. And so, Coleman, my, my sophomore year, what I would do is during breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the calf I would go to, they had like an unlimited supply of them apples right and each breakfast lunch and dinner i would just take two apples and put it in my pack and then after like a week and a half of doing that you've got a crap ton of of apples and i would literally cut those in half and go out for an evening hunt and and dump those and so that would just kind of work the same as well so it's like little little like things like that to just be thinking about and use to your advantage and there again for for sure you don't need you don't necessarily need uh, a food a food source like that you make on your own or 
or whatnot, there's natural food sources out there. Acorn trees, they, they work the same as, as a corn pile and sometimes better depending like where you're at. But yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And I think it's also to keep in mind that you also don't need an attractant necessarily when it comes to like corn or food and like that to get a deer or catch a deer in your area. Uh, sometimes it's literally just tracking the movements, hitting them at the right time, getting them on those, we like to call them like highways in the woods and, and really executing a plan well. It's always nice to have a corn pile, a salt lake or whatever it is to see if you can get the deer in, like onto your spot. But if you're really spending the time in the woods and figuring out uh, where these deer are, when they're moving, and, and formula- formulating a plan based off that, you should be able to set up your gear in a way to where you can get one of those deer down. For sure. And so, you know, moving on to um, something else that can be quite expensive, the place where you actually end up hunting. I know a lot of guys have a lot of buds who lease out hunting land. And for me, I know for you, Coleman, that it's just never been, number one, in our price range, but also <laughs> it's never been in our DNA. Like we, you know, in like, and this may change, who knows, but right now I will, like, I will never pay to hunt property. And they're going to, if you do that, like I'm not dogging or anything like that, but in my mind, if you put in the work as far as getting permission, asking people you at someone at some point will say yes now my time here at college the past four years through conversations building relationships with people just kind of keeping an ear open i've i've accumulated about four to five hunting properties uh to hunt on and there again my freshman year uh i didn't get my first property until it was after november i mean it took me that long but man when i got i was stoked and uh, i i couldn't uh, wait, wait to hunt and end up killing actually my first deer, uh, during that season on, on that property, which was pretty, pretty neat. And, and if you put in the time and the work, like someone is eventually going to say, yes, Coleman, what's your, what's your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail, especially because our next episode will be covering now that we have the gear, where can I hunt? But I will say this, uh, that I've seen on Facebook Marketplace like go people advertising their spots. And just for like archery season or muzzleloader or whatever, like those specific seasons, I've seen prices as high as a grand to two grand. And you're only allowed to take a certain amount of deer or a buck by a certain pointage, stuff like that, which is to me, like, like Matt was saying, it's just not on our DNA. It's not something that I can really fully support it's not how i want to to roll personally as a hunter i'm not knocking on those people who feel that they can only lease out land but i think there's a lot of merit behind actually putting in some work and figuring out a place to hunt uh, whether it be public land or the get is getting permission but once again we will get into that topic um next week um next friday uh, the topic will be where can i hunt as uh, that topic sort of brings us uh, to a close on our uh, podcast tonight, if you do have any questions or comments for the podcast, you can please direct them to the comment section, but also you can send them to Matt's Instagram, which is Matt underscore Dove 
underscore media. And Coleman, if you don't mind, I would, I just thought it's something. Yeah, go ahead. One thing that we kind of, I believe we kind of forgot to mention was talking about license. Oh, yeah. Obtaining that and, and purchasing those. And when, so I'm a college student here in West Virginia. My freshman year coming in, like, I just didn't know the, really the, the license, the licensing process as far as West Virginia. And I looked up out of state, like not a resident, it's going to be 120 bucks. And so I kind of like saved up that money, but I really didn't want to spend it. I mean, it like, and then I was only had a couple weeks left of the season, but there again, I really want to hunt. I want to do it like legally. And, and so I, I jump online and come to find out uh, if you're full-time college student in the state of West Virginia, uh, you actually get a, the residence fee and so instead of being 120 dollars it ended up being 36 dollars because i donated one dollar to hunters feeding the hungry i was feeling very blessed i was like oh yeah just take a dollar like this was it was just so cool and like i just i was just going nuts when i realized like i didn't have to pay 120 bucks so when you're like looking to buy a license make sure you look into that like does being a college student does my state even though I'm out of state, see me as a full-time resident. And knowing that and doing that will save you a crap ton of money. Yeah, definitely for sure. And guys, once again, reminder, stay tuned for next week's episode on uh, Where Can I Hunt? And please, if you have any questions or comments, leave a comment and also send them to Matt. Matt underscore Dove underscore media. Uh, There again, there's also the link to my YouTube page if you want to check that out. And, and also, we would love to hear your feedback. Um, message me privately. Let me know uh, how this went, ways we can improve, things we can do, maybe questions and topics that you would like us to discuss. Um, also, we're, we're open to guests. If you think this is something that you want to jump on and, and enjoy with us and, and uh, if you have some words of wisdom to give to our listeners, we'd love to have you on. And there again, we don't claim to be professionals or anything of uh, that, sure. <laughs> that manner. Just young adults, man, who love hunting, who love being outdoors and uh, just have such a passion for it. Yeah, dude, that's all I got to say. Yeah, well, I appreciate all y'all's time for uh, listening to our podcast, The Breakdown Hunting Podcast. Catch you next week.